Kia ora. It's Thursday the 18th of April and I'm Terry Boucher, long-time tax nerd, director of Boucher Consulting, a tax consultancy which aims to give, uh, give you better tax stories and a better tax system for all. This week in tax we're going to be talking about the capital, the tax working group, the government's response to the tax working group's uh, proposals. In short, a big surprise. Um, no doubt that the political fallout will be as filmed uh, um, acres of newsprint and hours of TV and radio. But the big, and, and mainly around the fact that not even, as I rather too confidently predicted on the morning of the announcement, that the residential investment property would become taxable. Not even that was, that was taken off the table. And the equally uh, followed by the equally big announcement that uh, so long as um, Jacinda Ardern is a leader of the Labour Party, she will not be campaigning on the capital gains tax. Basically, her argument is she's the Labour Party has tried and basically failed three times to get this through. So to, it's not going to happen um, and they should accept that and move on. So there'll be plenty of talk about the politics of all that. On the tax side, the, uh, that was a big surprise, obviously, but there was also other surprises in the, in the report. And the, the, beginning with the, fact, the lack of movement on environmental taxes. What, at the time of the report, report's launch in February, so Michael Cullen made much of using environmental taxes and recycling these through to help farmers transition to a low carbon economy. The tax working group, uh, the government's response has been to downgrade that urgency and in fact, uh, take all those possible water taxes, et cetera, off the table for the, the term of this parliament. And the, the group, the tax working groups recommendation to develop a framework for quote external externalities in this area and environmental externalities i.e pollution has also been downgraded and taken off the table that is um that probably adds insult to injury for the green party uh and it, but it is also um concerning that um that when a time when pressures seem to be built mounting around climate change and taking action, several useful tools are at the moment been uh, not only available for use. So those are the two big surprises in the uh, in the in the government's recommendations. And there's a lot of detail to work through on this, and there'll be plenty of um, commentary flying about on it. But the, overall, there were 99 different recommendations. And of those, um, 30 were probably, accept, you could call, accepted and brought into practice. Um, the, these are, with 11, uh, another 11 treated as high priority um, for progression in the current tax policy work program, the 19, the 2019, 2020 tax policy work program. Now, quickly pause to what does that mean that's been uh, 
pushed up the table for um, high priority. What that means is that Inland Revenue's Policy and Strategy Division will now be expected to work through the technical issues involved in those 11 recommendations and prepare, uh, firstly, a discussion paper or issues paper setting out what are the issues involved, what are the tax um, answers, uh, what's required to address those um, in terms of tax legislation. So that's the first stage of it. It doesn't actually roll, it won't actually translate into legislation uh, in the near short term, but would in, in within a couple of years. Processes, uh, Inland Revenue prepares the issues paper, sends them out for consultation, back comes consultation, and then legislation is prepared or the matter is dropped because it's deemed too difficult or it's no longer a prior priority. So that, that's what's going to happen with 11 recommendations. The, there's some interesting ones in there. Um, probably the one that's the two that are drawing the most attention would be over to deal with uh, land banking, i.e. vacant land, uh, which is being held by speculators, um, and also just general taxation of land transactions by, quote, speculators. The government has, there's not much detail uh, which, which accompanied the uh, release of the government's responses to those two main proposals. What we, what we do know is that the Productivity Commission, which is looking at local government funding and taxation, has been directed to uh, look specifically at this matter of how vacant land should be taxed. Uh, I think the government is correct in thinking in the response, and so this was also the view of the tax working group, that the best response would be for uh, the local uh, government level rather than at the central government level. As for taxing speculators, well, we'll see more of the, uh, from the, probably more funding given to the Inland Revenues uh, Property Compliance Program, um, which will be looking carefully at all those people who aren't already caught within the bright line test, but appear to be um, engaging in property speculation. In other words, they're, they're tran transacting um, or attempting to transact without um, being caught under either the Brightline test or any of the other various taxing provisions. Um, that's uh, basically a continuation of existing policies. And if I was um, a little cynical, which to be frank, it ha is handy in my game, you would look at the overall recommendations and think that are, have been adopted by the government, for want of a better phrase, and are on the Inland Revenue's Tax Policy Work Programme and think that's not terribly different from what a inland revenue would normally be doing. You know, maybe one or two items have higher priority, but on the whole, there's nothing that grabs out there and says, oh my God, that's a very, very major issue which requires urgent attention. And that's perhaps a, a good criticism of the, uh, what, of the end result. There's no big uh, hairy goal being set out that we, we, we are going to tackle um, on a tax front. So it's steady as she goes. So it's partly that which prompted me to say in the two articles I've, I've written so far on the matter uh, that we will be back litigating the, 
the debate of capital taxation very soon. Maybe not at this next election, but soon after that, because the, the stresses that led to the point where a tax working group felt that a capital gains tax was a, a valid measure to be introduced still remain. That is, certain asset classes are tax preferred, mainly property, um, but business goodwill, other matters like that, um, and business assets, some New Zealand and Australian share disposals, they remain essentially slightly tax preferred. And then you have the issue that um, a significant proportion of income in the form of capital gains, or rather, should I say, is not being taxed, or rather, income in this case should be classified as what we call the economic return. I tax uh, capital gains on uh, asset classes which aren't being taxed, but which in a different asset class would be taxed. For um, example, Brightline Test picks up that. Um, overseas shares, they're caught under the foreign investment fund regime. Bonds, overseas currency accounts, um, their courts, uh, currency accounts are caught by the um, financial arrangements regime. So the inconsistencies within the tax system remain. And so there will be people, let's face it, people like myself and others will be saying, well, hang on, what are we going to do about this? Because it is, it is a distortion in the tax system and it also drives investment, potentially drives investment into the wrong place. The, the other pressure that we will may continue to build um, will be um, if wealth inequality in particular continues, the gap continues to rise. But it pointed out that roughly the 80-20 rule came into play that a significant proportion of the, um, <coughs> of the wealth um, de derived by capital gains uh, <coughs> is go accrues to the wealthier individuals, i.e. people with that make money, make more money. And um, that can and will in induce, um, lead to social pressures for change. We'll have to wait and see on that, how those play out. But as I said earlier, my view remains that the um, we will be back litigating this issue again. Other, the report was, the, the government's response in that context can be regarded as a bit disappointing, it would, would be regarded as a bit as disappointing. There's no change on savings, for example, um, although that the work on uh, changes to the suggested changes to KiwiSaver is continuing, but it's just at a lower priority. Um, totally off the table, of course, are the, the suggested changes to uh, thresholds and the um, for lower income uh, earners that was designed or intended to be designed as a trade-off once um, uh, to essentially make any uh, additional tax revenue from a capital gains tax uh, revenue neutral. In other words, it would be recycled through the economy <coughs> or recycled in the form of tax cuts, tax adjustments. That's all off the table. But that doesn't mean that there's going to be, that's another area, by the way, sorry, clarify. That's another area where um, pressure will build on the government because the tax thresholds that we currently have have not been adjusted since 2010. 
And so, for example, the, um, the top the rate at which the top marginal rate of 33%, the threshold at which the top marginal rate of 33% would kick in is currently 70,000 and should be closer to 80,000 based on standard inflation using the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's indicator. And that's the same all the way through all the other um, uh, thresholds. That pressure will still continue to mount. Um, so the government may decide as a sweetener to do something about it in this year's budget, but maybe not, probably maybe more likely in next year's budget, which being an election year is traditionally, um, and you can say yes, very cynically, when these things tend to happen. The other thing that I think would be disappointing is, I've mentioned before, is about the, um, the mentioned last week, in fact, talked about the, the role of Te Ao Māori in, in the development of the report and the living standards framework that the report was prepared under. Most of the, all the suggestions that came, uh, that were recommendations that were specifically targeting um, Māori do, uh, all, have all been put basically on the backbone. That means they're not off the table, but they've been put as a sort of low, on the sort of low priority list. Now that's uh, a matter, again, uh, another matter of politics uh, as to how that may play out. And it uh, cuts both ways because I had seen some commentary with people expressing outrage that uh, Mari had been suggesting that given the pitiful um, returns or the pitiful uh, returns they received um, in exchange for uh, as part of the uh, Waitangi settlements, it was not unreasonable that they would be excluded from capital gains, from ca potential capital gains tax. Highly politically sensitive matter, government, that's another one the government's kicked down the road. The, um, so the, the other thing which has also popped up, which is actually a little bit in the nitpicking side of the things are actually frankly uh, ridiculous, is that some have complained about the cost of the tax working group, which is roughly expected to be about $2 million all up. There was an enormous amount of work involved in, in being in part being tax working group. And the, the 11 members gave up substantial parts of their time, not just on the days in which they were meeting, but for preparation for the meetings. I know, for example, that on one, for one particular meeting, they had received something like 750 pages of material, reading material, or densely written tax stuff which is maybe food and drink to a tax nerd, but does requires a substantial amount of input. So the government actually got a bargain. I'm not quite sure exactly what the um, daily rate was for um, members of the tax working group, but it, I can tell you that uh, for those tax lawyers and specialists involved, their hourly rate was probably comfortably or on average at least $500 an hour, and they may, if they were lucky, been getting that on a daily rate. In other words, the government got an absolute bargain to get a whole group of highly qualified people to look at the tax system. And that's something I think we should remember, that that uh, so bringing cost into the ridiculous. Um, I think the exercise, whether you agree or not with the outcome, the exercise of an, a regularly reviewing the tax system is something that should happen. One of the submissions I made to the group was that, in fact, given that there should be a permanent tax working group, that's not actually so original. Um, other submitters made the same point. 
and the tax working group that was established in 2010 suggested that that would be a good idea. Um, Australia has a taxation um, board of taxation which effectively acts as a monitoring the Australian tax system on an ongoing basis. I still think that is something we should look at. And one of the disappointments um, in the government's uh, recommendations is it's not at this stage going to proceed with the idea of a tax advocacy service for smaller taxpayers in disputes with inland revenue. Um, inland revenue, unsurprisingly, was not terribly keen on that idea. And as I said at this, uh, a few minutes ago, when you look at the overall what's now in the work programme, it's pretty much for inland revenue workers as, as, as normal, um, carrying forward, carrying on. So nothing dramatic for them to deal with. Let's right, we've had this, let's move on. Because, and that also reflects that possibly two things. One, I'm not entirely convinced Inland Revenue had all the resources it would have needed at the policy level and legislative level to have been able to implement some fairly complicated legislation. And secondly, um, Inland Revenue has for the past two years, two to three years, been very um, involved in its business transformation program. Arguably a bit self-involved in that it is, it's its main principal focus. It is a $1.5 billion uh, transformation program. So understandably, everyone involved in Inland Revenue is, wants to make sure that works. But I can't help but feel that that has proved a distraction to uh, it from its wider operational and strategic policy um, outlook that it should have. Um, and just as an aside, the next stage of, the, of Inland Revenue's um, business transformation um, program will start tonight, well, this afternoon, on, uh, when it will shut down totally. Between online and call centres and offices will all go offline for the next week as it upgrades the computer system to get ready for what, as part of what they call release three and the new stage, the next stage of its business transformation. Inland Revenue will come back up online on Friday the 26th of April, at which point it will then start the processing, automatically processing the refunds um, and tax liabilities of over 2 million PAYE taxpayers. This is the core of the release three project. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. So to sum up, the tax working group um, did a lot of very good work. There's a lot of, as always with these things, there's a lot of interesting material to work through, not just in the report itself, but also in the in background papers. So, uh, there'll be a treasure trove of analysis going forward. That said, ultimately, on what was key goals around, around a capital gains tax and environmental taxes, which you're talking about being a transformative government, um, both of which, at this point, the government has decided to pass and sit on that. Now, that means, in my view, that we will be seeing, as a result of that, for the, the reasons I uh, said earlier, we're going to see pressure come back on and these issues be relitigated. They just simply aren't going to go away. And finally, over in the United States, the president 
as uh, Congress has, re has demanded the President Trump hand over his tax returns um, for examination. This prompted uh, press, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders to snipe back, well, even if Congress did get it, they're so complicated it wouldn't understand it. In turn, Congresswoman Katie Porter went on air and point held up and told uh, Sarah Sanders, here, I'm very happy if you ask to send you a copy of this textbook handbook I wrote. Turns out she was, before she became a Congresswoman, a, a professor of tax law. So that is what we call a real burn. I'm Terry Boucher. This has been The Week in Tax. Thank you for listening. Please circulate this podcast and uh, around, uh, and it will be available on our website and a transcript will be published on interest.co.nz. In the meantime, uh, shortly. In the meantime, have a great Easter. Kakiti Anu.